Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, Jim, for the songs. Certainly the sentiment of that last song was uh, what do I want to say? The right sentiment, good sentiment for leading us into this lesson to be like Jesus. We can sing it. We can desire it. We can want it. But it doesn't always come easy, does it? does not. We have to keep putting to death that old person of me and let Jesus live in me. We do desire your prayers, appreciate your prayers for our trip, and uh, I just thank you ahead of time for them. We want to talk today about role models. We're going to look at a couple meaning two people, not a couple of role models, but two together. Not much is said about them in Scripture, but what is said is amazing. Someday I hope to meet these two. We all need good role models. I don't know if you realize that or not. We really do. I mean, we can hear teaching and we can hear instruction about do this and do that and don't do this and don't do that. But then we need to see somebody living it. We need to see that portrayed in life and understand it's possible. And this is what that looks like. This is what it looks like to love. This is what it looks like to forgive. This is what it looks like to help somebody. This is what it looks like to sacrifice. We need to see that. And uh, you probably had role models. You probably may not have recognized them as a role model as you were growing up. But you saw those things in some people, and you started to do what they did. You know, we start this, you know, we little, like Reagan and Leland and Loudon. They're already starting to model their lives after somebody, aren't they? Yes, they are. They're watching. You maybe for you, obviously, parents is one of the first that we see do things and hear say things and so forth. And hopefully we had good parents who were modeling right and good and righteousness. And we would begin to model our lives after them. Could be a grandparent, aunt or uncle. It's just hard to say who a child is looking at. So if you have children in your life, beware. Beware, you're being watched. It may have been for you a, a minister and an elder in the church, perhaps. A lot of us uh, took as a role model a school teacher. How many of you did that, at least for a while? Yeah, I, I did. There was a teacher, and, and I still uh, appreciate him, uh, what he did, the way he taught, his character. Uh, he had, great, had a great influence on me in life. And I really appreciated him. Sometimes uh, it's a, uh, a personality, personality in the news. 
a historical figure of some kind, perhaps, uh, astronauts, you know, Sally Ride and uh, John Glenn, maybe somebody said, oh, I want to be like him. Presidents often are, people want to be like them. Kids see the president and say, I want to be like them. Sports heroes, you know. Anyway, good role models. They generally don't go around saying, listen to me or watch what I do. They just go about their business. And you can see in them their genuineness, their character, and their willingness to work and serve. It's just kind of an automatic thing. And people just follow them. You take notice. Aquila and Priscilla are like that. They're mentioned, as I said, in only a handful of scriptures. But what the Holy Spirit puts in the Word shows them to be devoted Christians and people who are just good role models, powerful role models for us. And not just for married couples, although there's a married couple thing here, but for all of us, if you're married or not, to follow them. So let's take a look at Aquila and Priscilla. As you can see, there are many scriptures. So that's good for some of you, right? Okay. So that's okay. But we're going to see, you know, you can take one verse of scripture and talk for three hours. I mean, we can do that and talk well, but we're not going to do that. But. Acts 18. This is where they're first introduced to us. They're not in the Gospels, and they're not in the first part of the book of Acts at all. This is on Paul's uh, second miss missionary journey, if I remember right, yes. After these things, this is talking about Paul, he left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working, for by trade they were tent makers. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So here we're introduced to Aquila and Priscilla, and they are now in Corinth, where Paul happens to come. The first thing I notice about these two is they accepted the responsibilities of life. They had a trade. They plied their trade. They were tent makers. They knew in life you have to earn a living. And so they had this trade. And I was thinking about tent makers. I don't know how difficult that would be in that day and age, especially. Uh, whether it was with leather, just heavy cloth. Obviously, it was all done by hand. A lot of cutting and stitching and sewing. Uh, I'm sure it was hard work to make tents. And, you know, some of those tents in those days were pretty big as well. And so, uh, you know, you've got to heft all that material around, 
So it wasn't an easy job, I'm sure it wasn't, but they, they were tent makers and they plied their trade, they made a living. And, you know, again, you know, want to contrast them as role models throughout the lesson with, you know, folks today. Some people today don't want to work at all, do they? You know, they want the free ride. They don't want responsibility. And just, you know, what can I get? Oh, just uh, freeload off of somebody. These people worked. The Bible tells us work is good for us, different kinds of work, and accepting responsibility shows maturity. And that you're really willing to be part of the human race, if you will. Uh, you probably know some folks who did hard work. Uh, maybe in, in your life, you know, your parents, uh, whatever they had as a living. Different kinds of work can be considered hard. We might say dirty work, you know, coal miner, plumber. Uh, some of these jobs, you know, they're just, they're messy and dirty. Shift work, long hours. Some people, you know, may have taken two jobs in order to make ends meet, you know. They didn't have a lot of time at home because they had responsibility to pay the bills and take care of the family role models, and we need those role models today. So Aquila and Priscilla accepted the responsibilities of life. They worked and, and, and made their way in life. The second thing I see here about them, and we're going to see this throughout, is that they were very resilient, flexible, and able to adapt. And wow, some of us today just can't hardly do that. We saw he was from Pontus originally, and that's up by the Black Sea. Now, we're not told how they got to Rome, okay, or even how they got together as a couple, but they were in Rome, and it says they got run out of Rome because Claudius had issued the decree that all the Jews should leave Rome, so they left Rome, and they came to Corinth. Uh, so, you know, here, here they're in Corinth, as we have said before in other lessons, Corinth was not a nice place to live. It was a place of Gentile debauchery. Uh, for someone to insult you in those days, all they had to do was say, you're like a Corinthian. That meant you were lascivious and wasteful and probably sexually immoral and the whole deal. It was a cesspool. But that's where they ended up for some reason. But there they are. And they're working, all right? And, you know, some people, when their plans in life get interrupted, disrupted, turned over, what do they do? They go ballistic. Or they check out. They quit. That's it. I'm done. That's not what I wanted. But not these folks. And we're going to see later, this is not where they end up. This is not where they end up. You know, they're very flexible. They understand, you know, life, you know, the old, if you get lemons, make lemonade. You know, that's what some things in life are like that. You get to trouble, you get to problem. You don't get what you want. You got to deal with it. These folks dealt with it. So here they were in Corinth. They were applying their trade, making their way. 
And the third thing we want to see here then, you know, here comes Paul, um, kind of out of nowhere. He's a tent maker, and then however that worked out, he says, hey, how about we get together and work this out together? And they say, yeah, sure. And uh, the way it reads to me, they were even staying, or he was even staying with them in their house. And they were working together. So here's again the resilience thing. They were friendly. They were accommodating toward Paul. Paul, Paul needed a place to stay. They, you know, they had a common background. They were, they were all Jews, plus they all had this faith in Christ. So here, yeah, sure. Let's work together. Let's do this thing together. So uh, they were, I guess, in the bottom line as far as that is concerned, unselfish. You know, selfishness today for a lot of people is the word. It's all about me. What I want, stay to myself, do my own thing, have my own schedule, don't bother me. Maybe you know somebody like that. Not these people. Paul had a need. They welcomed him. They said, yeah, come on, let's work together. You can stay with us. What a marvelous role models as far as that's concerned. So here's, you know, here's a brief introduction to these folks, and you can kind of see what they were like. You know, they were resilient, hard workers, accommodating. I'm going to say God-fearing people. They wanted to see the kingdom thrive. Let's go to Romans 16. You know, we don't have one word in the New Testament what these folks said. Well, I'll take that back. We do. That's in the end of 18. But they never said anything about themselves. They never said anything about themselves. And so, you know, Proverbs talks about let another praise you. Well, here in Romans 16, Paul praises them. Listen to what Paul says in his, in his greetings as he writes the letter to Rome. And notice here, somehow they're back in Rome. Right? They're back in Rome. Verse 3 of chapter 16. Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're interested, Prisca or Prissa is the formal name. Priscilla is a diminutive. Like, my name is Jeffrey. That's the formal name, but you call me Jeff. Whatever. So, her formal name is Prisca, but Priscilla was a diminutive. Anyway, that's just extra there for you. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet Apanatus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Now, here's Paul talking about Aquila and Priscilla. He met them in Corinth. He said, these are my fellow workers. Wow. 
How'd you like to have someone say that about you? She's my fellow worker in the gospel. How'd you like to have an apostle say that about you? Right? They're my fellow workers in the gospel. You know, they weren't sitting around doing nothing. I don't know how they were. Uh, you know, we're not told directly other than that one incident with Apollos. I mean, maybe there was financial support there. That's quite possible. We know we just saw that they uh, let him stay with them in their home. I mean, that, you know, the, being a fellow worker, that doesn't necessarily mean you're out on a street corner proclaiming the gospel. That means you are supporting the word of God and the spreading of the word. So it could have been that. It could have been by their prayers and encouragement to him. Okay? I see those Aquila and Priscilla as being that kind of people. Or it could have been they were actually teaching the gospel with him in certain places. And I tend to think that might have been, might have been the case when, we, when we're going to read about what they did with Apollos. But they were his fellow workers. So they got praised for that. They wanted to spread the gospel. They supported it. They helped out in it. Today it would seem too many of us have a heart for other things than for spreading the gospel or doing good works. Again, we want to do our thing. So they're role models for us in spreading the word of God. Let another praise you. And then, what does he say in verse 4? Who for my life risked their own necks. Wow. I'd like to know the story. Wouldn't you like to know the story? We're not told that story anywhere. How it came about, what they did, how Paul's life was in danger. We know Paul's life was in danger Many, many times he, we see it in Acts, but they also attest to it in the Corinthian letters. But somehow they saved Paul's life. And they did it by risking their own lives. That's amazing. And I'm guessing that they would be very reluctant to tell you this story. You know, if I say... Aquila, you know, what, what's that thing with you and Paul? How'd you say? And they, oh, well, you know, that was, that was no big thing. We just did what we had to do. We did what was right. I can kind of see him saying that. He's not going to go, oh, yeah, that was, I don't know. Just, just thinking out loud. This shows me courage and a willingness to sacrifice themselves. In 1 John 3.16, you can turn there. I'm not going to turn there. It says we ought to be willing to lay down our lives for the brethren. We have that love. These two were willing to do that. They did that. They didn't die, but they were willing. They, whatever it was, Paul says they risked their own necks, their own lives for me. And he says, I'm thankful. <laughs> he says, I'm thankful for that. And he says all the Gentile churches are too because, of course, he ministered to them, but maybe this was even before he founded some of these churches. That's what I'm kind of thinking. Before he even went and founded some of these churches, they, they rescued Paul and, and 
was able to keep him going on some of these missionary journeys. So these Gentile ch churches are thanking them, saying, yeah, if it hadn't been for you saving his life, we would never heard the gospel. Amazing story. And I'm contrasting this here, their willingness to sacrifice, their courage with some. You know, the word sacrifice is a non-starter. Don't ask me to sacrifice a thing. Don't ask me to give up an evening, an afternoon, an extra 20 bucks, whatever it is, don't ask me. I got my life set the way I'm going to serve the Lord, and this is it. They risked their lives for Paul. They're role models for us. Then what's he say in verse 5? Also greet the church that is in their house. They had a congregation meeting in their home. Wow. These people are getting it. They're getting it on. This shows hospitality and fellowship understanding that whatever they had and even they themselves are on this earth to serve the Lord Jesus, to bring him glory. That's the point of life. Isn't that amazing, these people? It just keeps coming and coming and coming. You get it. But so little is written, but there's so much there. The church in their house. You know, that's the way a lot of those churches were in those early days. They didn't, they didn't get together and say, oh, we've got to build a building or buy, buy this building down there so we have a place to meet. No. They just got together wherever they were. They met in homes. To answer the question for us, which is more important, your house or the people? Right? Which is more important, your house or the people, the church? Okay. Let's go back to Acts 18. As if that wasn't enough. They were ready to do God's work. In Acts 18 and, Acts 18, 18 and 19, when Paul leaves Corinth, he takes Aquila and Priscilla with him to Ephesus. Okay? So they're on the move again. We don't know how many different places they were. And whether this is for the work of the Lord, probably some of it was. In order to make a living, probably some of it was. Whatever. But they were willing to go and do. So they go with Paul to Ephesus. And let's read in Acts 18, 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus. He was mighty in the scripture. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. All right, so we have Apollos, a mighty speaker. He's a Christian. He's uh, trained in the ways of the Lord, but he has a, a flaw. He has a misunderstanding about the gospel, about doctrine. 
He only understands the baptism of John the Baptist. Okay? Why he never heard of baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I can't answer that. It seems a bit strange, but that's the case. In fact, if you go on and read in Acts 19, the next chapter, the first few verses, Paul also encountered some disciples at Ephesus who only knew the baptism of John, and they had to be baptized again in the name of the Lord Jesus. So John's baptism was no longer valid, okay, because it had been supplanted by the baptism in the name of Christ. So, you know, we understand just any old dunking in water doesn't work. It has to be in the name of the, well, the Father, Son, the Spirit, or as it is played out, taught in Acts, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, because you're being baptized into him. So this is all I knew was the baptism of John. Let's read on. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he went to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. So he comes to their synagogue there. He's preaching the word. And they're getting another example. You know, there they are in the synagogue to be taught, right? They assembled where they had the opportunity to assemble, assembled with their own people. And so uh, Apollos is talking here, and he evidently mentions the baptism of John, and they say, oh, wait a minute. They recognized that what he said was not right. It was no longer true. So that tells me, first of all, that they were prepared in that they knew the word of God. They were grounded in the truth. They had been taught it, and they had learned it. Okay? They were not ignorant of the word of God. So, they were students. They were learners. They knew this. Notice it says, they, when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they, both of them. What did they do when they heard him preaching the baptism of John the Baptist, baptism of repentance for remission of sin? They walk out in a huff, say, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. We're going somewhere else, right? Is that what you do? They start shouting him down. Hey, that's wrong. You know, shut up. Did they go try to find somebody else to straighten him out? Yeah, we'll go get one of the older guys here. They, he, knows, he knows the truth. He'll, he'll straighten him out for us. Didn't do that either, did they? Maybe they just thought it off. Eh, no big deal. Somebody will walk, find him and straighten him out someday. I got things to do this afternoon. We went to Cracker Barrel. Is that what they did? So they took it upon themselves to correct him. And the way it reads, Priscilla helped out. They did it together. 
together. They had the knowledge. They had the heart. Big thing. Been reading about the heart lately. Big thing. They had the heart for God, the heart for the truth. They had the heart for Apollos. They had the heart for the work. They knew this couldn't just go by. They had to do something about it. And they did. And they did. They had the love of God. And they took him aside. No, not in front of a bunch of people. We know how he did it, how they did it. But they got him alone. And they said, Apollos, look here. You're not right on this one point. The baptism of John is out now. You need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they taught him. And evidently he listened. From what we see from the next verse when he went on in his travels. Amazing. Role models for us. Contrasting that with a lot of folks today, they don't want to get involved. Right? They're not ready. They don't want to be ready. They don't want to get involved. You know, just come in, sit down, and leave. That's it. These people had a heart for the gospel, a heart for God, a heart for Apollos, a heart for the work, a heart for the lost. They took it seriously. They were devoted followers of Christ. So we wrap up. Aquila and Priscilla. They were prepared, ready, and willing. They had a heart for the gospel. They had learned the skills. They accepted their role. I find it interesting that nowhere does it say anything about Aquila being, he certainly wasn't an apostle, he wasn't an elder or a deacon. Not even meant. He might have been, but it doesn't say that. Not at all. They were servants in every situation in which the Lord placed them. You know, they weren't evangelists from the technical standpoint, but they were gospelers. That's a real word, you know that. Look it up in a dictionary. A gospeler. Somebody that just overflows with the gospel. That's what they were. That's what they did. They served together. Now, I haven't talked about them being a couple. But in all of this, if you notice what? They were together, weren't they? Together. In everything, where they went, what they did, they worked together, they applied their trade together, they taught Apollos together. It was their house. They They risked their lie, their necks for Paul, Together. Such a great example for married Christian couples. Powerful role models for us. What can I say? Sometimes you can say too much. You know, there's the lesson. There, There they are, looking back at us from the pages of Scripture. Take them as a role model. Follow their example. 
And the question becomes for each one of us, are we role models for others to see in our Christian walk? Do you need prayer this morning? We're here to help. We're here to assist. If you need prayer, we encourage you to come. If you want us to pray with you afterwards, we'd be happy to do that. Maybe you're being attacked by the devil, as we would say. Things are overloading in your life, struggling with some sin and temptation. We encourage you to come. If you're not a Christian, we encourage you to come. To, uh, to follow the path of Aquila and Priscilla. Somewhere along the line, we're not told, they obeyed the gospel. And they became great workers in the kingdom for others to follow. If you want to obey the gospel, please come while we stand and sing.